Go ahead and bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's pray as we, we get into things today. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we can come before you in such a moment of time, every fifth Sunday when we do this and we observe the Lord's Supper together. It's our time to be transported back in, in time with earth's earliest disciples to be able to hear, to be able to see, and even be able to taste some of the things that they did. It reminds us of that time when you were giving your life for our sins so that we could have your everlasting life as you rose from the grave. So Father, be with us today. Open our minds and eyes as we open your word together. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. And if you have your Bible with you, if you would turn to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke chapter 14. And, you know, we give excuses all the time. We are given excuses every day. Our kids uh, learn how to make excuses from listening to us. The Albuquerque public school system printed some actual written excuses that had been turned in by parents. One of them said, please excuse Jennifer for missing school yesterday. Uh, We forgot to get the Sunday paper off the front porch, and when we found it on Monday, we thought it was still Sunday. Uh, Another ingenious excuse, please excuse Tommy for being absent yesterday. He had diarrhea and his boots leak. I assume it was a rainy day, is what that means. Um, Benjamin Franklin once said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. But in the scripture today, we're going to see some people making excuses. And Jesus describes the excuses that people are giving after they had been invited to a great supper. So Jesus is having a meal. He and his disciples at the house of a prominent Pharisee. And there were other lawyers and scribes and whoever else. It was a great feast. I mean, it was a big feast. Jesus was there with them, and one of the more pious people at the supper said, wow, you know, this is okay, but I'm just waiting for the day that we can eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, all right, I'll tell you what it's like. I'll tell you what it's like, you know, right now. It's kind of like this. And so to set the backstory to this story, you need to understand that God is going to throw a party for Jesus. And just the introduction to that party lasts for a thousand years. So the first millennium, it's like, welcome to the party. I mean, it's such a great feast and a great party. The curse is removed from the earth and, and the environment is entirely changed and the devil is bound in the, in the pit and you know we've got nobody to blame but ourselves for a thousand years. So given that fact, here's how God looks at your excuses. Your excuses not to attend. Your excuses not to be ready. Your excuses not to be recruiting more guests. See, this is our thesis for today's study. Heaven is a kingdom, so do not make excuses to avoid it. As a matter of fact, the theme of the Bible is God's kingdom. But every king, every kingdom needs subjects. Therefore, it also includes our salvation. But really, it's a king and his kingdom 
And the devil did such a good job on Adam and Eve that every human being that's born since then is automatically in his kingdom first. But if we are servants for our king, then we are to be snatching more and more subjects out of the kingdom of Satan. So here in Luke 14, look at verse 15. And when one of them that sat at meat with Jesus heard these things, he said unto Jesus, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said Jesus unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. I mean, that's the millennium. I mean, we get back to that. It's going to be good. Garden of Eden, restored on planet Earth. So this great supper is more than just an evening meal. For you uh, to get saved is not an invitation to a fast, a famine, or a funeral. It is accepting God's invitation to a feast. So here at the Lord's table today, Jesus is not inviting you to a boring and an empty life. God is inviting you to overflowing blessing through the sacrifice of Jesus' body and the shedding of Jesus' blood for you. You know, a CNN interactive article on Elvis Presley stated that the Elvis Presley phenomenon is a peculiarly American tale, and that no doubt explains a big part of its resonance. It also is a tragedy. Here's a self-made man who gained everything in his dreams— fame, wealth, and admiration, only to become miserable and die. I mean, I would add one word in there and make it, it, here, I'll fix it. Only to become a miserable fool and die. Do not make your family have to mentally write that on your tombstone. Here was my dad, my mom, here's my brother, my sister, here's a man, here's a woman You know, they had a good job, they did good things, they had great retirement, had all sorts of stuff, they spent time with their kids, they they were good parents, did stuff with their grandkids, or maybe there were certain defects, but you know, they, they, they had all this that we have here in America only to become miserable and die. Verse 16 says, the man bade many to come to a feast. Now, the word bade simply means he was begging them to come. Verse 17 says he sent a servant. And in your case, the Holy Spirit is interceding with you right now to to confirm in your heart that all things are now ready. Now that Jesus died for you, everything is done that has to be done. None of the rest of it's on you. So the good news is Acts 2, verse 21, there on your handout, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the good news is Revelation twenty-two seventeen, And the Spirit and the bride say, come, we are the bride. So once you get saved, as you're part of the church, that makes you the bride of Christ. This local church is that much of the body and the bride of Christ. Now, down here, it's, it's still got some blemishes. I mean, after the judgment seat of Christ is when all the spots are removed and all the wrinkles ironed out. And until then, yes, 
I mean, it's just like Brian said, you can come to a church where somebody's going to say something is going to offend you and you're going to want to walk away, but you will never be able to walk away and find a more perfect church because they are all defective, all made up of sinners, all made up of people on the way in their discipleship, all made up of people perfecting their sanctification and getting closer and closer to God. So the spirit and the bride say, come, and there's no good excuse for not doing it. And let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. So who, whosoever will may C-O-M-E. C is for children. Children can come. O is for older folks. Older people can come. Don't tell me you can't teach. An old dog new tricks. You can get the gospel as easily as anybody else. Matter of fact, it ought to be easier for you because you know better. You, you can climb on to what Christ has done for you. You can trust in him. M is for middle age. Middle age may come. E is for everybody. Everybody can come. And all you have to do is trust Jesus for everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing thing when you consider comparative religions because every other religion in the world, every cult group in the world, every denomination based upon the imperial church that came out of Constantine in 313, they all say you got to do and you got to go. You got to go and do some things. Only Bible Christianity says just come. I mean, what a glorious invitation to God's great supper for his son. How do you know that you've accepted that invitation? Well, number one, have, have you seen that you're a sinner and decided to trust Jesus? Was there a moment in time? Have you made the decision to trust Jesus for everlasting life? So you've been convinced that his promise of eternal life for simply believing in him is true so much so that you prayed and you asked God to save you and therefore you were born again. I mean, what a great invitation now by Jesus today to sup with him in this service, to be transported back in time, to sit with his earliest disciples, to see, hear, and even taste what they did at that time. What qualifies you to do that? Well, this is number two. Have you, have you shown that you already are saved by being baptized by immersion as a testimony of the fact that you believe the gospel, how Jesus died for you, and now you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you, you died in him, and so you rose in him, and now you are alive by his life. That is what baptism pictures. Doesn't do anything for you. It's not a sacrament, a ceremony, a ritual, really. It's, it's an ordinance. It allows you to do something to show to the church, the body of Christ, that you got saved the same way that we did. And third, are you old enough? And are you willing to examine yourself in the faith, to examine your own worship, to get right with anybody you've not forgiven? or that you have a grudge in your heart against, to be right before God. New Testament ordinances do not carry Old Testament restrictions because this is not a sacrament. 
So, so it's not a big deal, you know. It, everything doesn't have to be done just exactly the right way, but it is something spiritual, it's serious, and it's significant. So every fifth Sunday, that's our time to really shine and to show Jesus before others how we accept his invitation. And you don't have to be a member of our church to participate, but you should be able to answer yes to those three questions we've outlined for you. So right now I'm going to ask if you um, got in here without getting a little packet of the elements, the bread and the juice, raise your hands and we will let our deacons come and get one to you. Okay, so just keep your hand up and they will come by. And this is kind of a, we have several up here in the front. This kind of a new um, device this time. You know, we used to pass these plates and it would have the elements and you just picked up your, you know, your, your piece of the unleavened bread and, and your little thing of juice. And then COVID hit. And then after that, we had styrofoam. And uh, I don't know what that was. You know, it's like, I'm sure that the ingredients are correct. It was some type of bread, but I'm not sure what planet it came from. And this, uh, so this is about the third thing that we've had. I, uh, I, I tested this last service, and I think this is probably the best that we've had so far. So you will want to uh, turn it with the uh, um, narrower portion at the top, which has the white uh, wafer that is inside of it, and just peel back the top of that foil so that you can get to that small uh, piece of unleavened bread and hold on to that until I tell you and we'll partake together if you happen to drop it or you need another one or whatever again just raise your hand and we'll have the deacons uh, with those looking out and they can come and give you another one wave wave at them or snap your fingers or whatever and and uh, if somebody partakes that shouldn't that doesn't hurt anything just means it doesn't have the significance for them that it ought to have here in Luke chapter 14 The invitations are sent. The servant arrives with the announcement that, okay, now the time is now. The great supper is ready. I mean, it was such a great supper. We couldn't announce in advance the exact time, but, but we just had to tell you is come and save the date. Now it, now the time is here because everything's in place. You would think everybody would be excited and respond enthusiastically, but here's what we read in verse 18. Verse 18 says, And they all with one consent began to make excuse. One excuse after another to not believe in Jesus for everlasting life. I know you've heard some of them. (coughs) Well, Alan, I can't live it. Well, okay, nobody can. That's why Jesus died. Well, Alan, I don't think anybody can really know. Uh, well, but God says you can. The Bible says you can, 1 John 5, 13. But Alan, I've got my religion and you've got yours. Okay, the devil has his. What's your point? I'm satisfied with my life as it is right now. Okay, but is God pleased with you? Does God accept you? Well, I don't feel like it's real. What's well, not about feelings. It is about your faith in God's facts. Well, what about the heathen who have never heard? I mean, they always come up with something. Keep your finger here. Be turning to Matthew 26, Matthew chapter 26. 
And I will say that even today, Jesus doesn't have a problem with uninformed people accidentally taking the Lord's Supper. What he has a problem with, according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, is Christians who know better, not showing up or refusing it or taking it wrong by not having their heart right with their brothers and sisters in Christ. So this unleavened bread pictures Jesus' body broken for us. The Bible says not a bone of Jesus was broken on the cross, but his body is broken apart as we share this bread together. It is broken and distributed so we have all equal access and we can be united in our love for him. So we've got a couple of deacons that are going to come up and pray and um, I was told who they were, and I know Larry is one, and who was the other one? Go ahead and come on up. We've got a microphone right over here. I think, Michael, were you first? Michael, Nicholas, so we'll hand you the mic. And uh, just going to ask you to go ahead and pray uh, for the bread that we can um, then partake together. Lights our path, dear Lord, that gives us wisdom and understanding, and Lord, you were the perfect sacrifice. You were able to pay the full price, dear Lord, on the cross for us, dear Lord. That the cross could not hold you down, but you rose again, dear Lord, to give us that faith, the hope that we need, dear Lord. You were able to accomplish nothing that we were able to, dear Lord, that uh, you finished it all, and it is complete, and all we have to do is just come and acknowledge our sin, dear Lord, before you and accept that free gift of salvation through your shed body, dear Lord. And we want to just give you the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Matthew 26, verse 26 says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So with this broken bread in our hands, let us take, eat, and remember. Verse 28, Jesus gives the description uh, in terms of what was taken, taking place as he describes the next thing, which was the cup as he passed it around. Uh, verse 28 says, he tells them, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Your sins crushed the life out of the Lord Jesus. And, and what happened was infinite God died on your behalf because that was the only way to cover for the immeasurable wickedness inside you. And, you know, sometimes we use the word brokenness, but that doesn't really capture the moral component of what is wrong with us. And right now, Jesus is saying, your sin crushed the life out of me so that I could share my everlasting life with you. If you look at Isaiah 55 on your handout, <clears throat> Isaiah makes the same type of begging appeal. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and you labor for that which satisfieth not? 
Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God and what it has to say. And come unto me, he says, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So the finished work of Christ brings you complete salvation. And if you know the spiritual reality of your sins being cleansed by the blood of Jesus, then you can picture that now by drinking this cup together with us. So if you'll take that again and make sure the wider, wider part is at the top and uh, then peel back that foil piece. And again, if you have any issues, raise your hand. We'll get you another one. And... Um, Peel back, and then uh, I'm going to ask Brother Larry Washington, if he would, to pray over uh, the juice as we get ready to partake. Heavenly Father, praise you for sending your Son to this earth to give us life by giving his life on the cross, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray that each and every one today will accept this this, this uh, representation of your blood that you gave on the cross for us to give us eternal life, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You said also that if you abide in me, you will abide in us. And without him, you can do nothing. Mm. Heavenly Father, bless us today with this representation of your giving your life for us. In the powerful name of your Son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Verse 27 of Matthew 26 says, And he took the cup and gave thanks. That's what we have just done, asking our deacons to help us with each time. And gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. So now with this fruit of the vine in our hands, drink ye all of it. If you look back with me again at Luke chapter 14, I know the devil is a liar. And I know he blinds the eyes of the lost to the gospel. But I also know that he deceives you about the literal reality of his coming reign and your purpose for eternity, which starts right now. But you know, it still amazes me whenever you reject God's invitation. So the rejections were surprising, but they were also silly. I want us to look at each one. Verse 18, the first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. So he's confessing he bought a piece of real estate before he even had it surveyed. And you know what? Here's, here's the dealio. He could have examined that property the next day or the day after or sometime that week. I mean, he says he'd already bought it. It didn't matter when he looked at it. But that invitation was only good that day. And you know what? Your stuff is always here. But your life is just a vapor and the invitation door is only open for a moment. I mean, it's only open when you hear it. It's only open when it's being given. And that door is shut at the mouth of your grave. I mean, don't you think you better take care of this first? 
Verse 19, and another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Listen, whatever you think you need and whatever you think you need to do, if that gets in the way of what Jesus wants you to do, you're a fool. And I know that's, you know, this is one of those things like Brian was talking about. Pastor said something that offends you, you may not be back next week or you may never come back to this church. But I got to speak the truth to you in love. I mean, it's just that bad because either at the end of your life is a destiny you've chosen for yourself to be with the devil and his angels in hell, or you'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded or not. And if there's nothing to reward, you will regret that. Now this last one kills me, verse 20. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And you know, you would think, you would think a man would want to accept the invitation to show off a new wife, or at least take her out for a dinner that she did not have to prepare. So what is wrong with you? You know, here's my thing. Nothing has changed. Even today, nothing has changed. Who is keeping you from Jesus? Who is keeping you from God's purpose for you in eternity? So their rejection was surprising. Their rejection was silly. And their rejection was also serious. Because when a lost person rejects Jesus, or when a saved person rejects discipleship, rejects ministry... You are simply saying God does not offer anything better than what you have right now. There's nothing better to eat than what you have right now. There's nothing better to do than what you have right now. There's no better reward that you will get than the one you're going to get right now. And you don't realize how serious this is to reject God's offer to his greater thing. Since it is so serious... Man, God goes out of his way. Watch verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, all right, I'm out, I'm done, forget it. I'm, qu I'm not gonna herd cats anymore. No, he says, look, okay, go out quickly. I mean, everything's ready. It's not gonna spoil. Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. They're not in the church already. You go invite them. Street people, outcasts, rejects, losers. As a matter of fact, this is the exact same list in verse 13 that Jesus just told the lawyers and chief Pharisees that they need to be inviting. Verse 22, and the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Why? Because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. So any person in the whole world who does not accept, well, the, the room is still there for them. It's a free choice. They had free will. They could have responded to it like God gave them because John chapter 1 says that Jesus is the light that lights every man that cometh into the world. So when you reach an age of accountability, God gets you light. Nobody slips through the cracks. 
It's like Abraham said, the judge of all the earth will do right. So it's not like anybody goes to hell that shouldn't or didn't choose it or didn't reject what light God gave them. And God is giving you light today. So, verse 23, the Lord said to his servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. God is so gracious. There's room for everybody And since the Jews rejected Christ's kingdom at his first coming, Jesus put the invitation out on the street. And we're supposed to be out on the street with him. And you know, if you've already accepted this invitation, then your life needs to be given over and dedicated to being the servant described here in verse 23. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 Paul confesses of his own ministry, and and we need to follow Paul as he followed Christ in this. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Not just me, but you as well. You need to feel constrained to compel others to come to the great wedding feast that the Father's going to have for the Son. We always talk about God's great love. But nobody tells you what happens if you reject it. Jesus does, verse 24. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden and made excuses and refused and didn't accept and didn't come, none of them shall taste of my supper. If you do not accept the invitation now, you will not get into God's heaven. If if you reject God's love, As shown in this invitation, he has no choice but to make you an object of his wrath with everyone else who is rejected. God took out the wrath for all of your sin, past, present, future, even anything you could commit going forward. He took out all the wrath on his own son, Jesus. That's why Jesus was God. He he bore it. He carried it all. My God was big enough. You know, some people say, well, you know, God is God. He can't die. My God was big enough. He could die and die carrying your sins and come back in resurrection power and give you the eternal life that he came up from the grave with. That's my God. And that's Jesus. But if you reject his son's finished work on the cross for you, which we have been reminded of and which we commemorate today, then he has to allow you the freedom to choose your own destiny, which he tells you in advance will be in hell with the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, verse 41. So your rejection of God will lead to you being rejected by God. You know, Leonardo da Vinci was a man of incredible talent and he explored almost every field available. When you stop and think about his life, he, he had inventions and discoveries in science as well as art and made significant contributions in engineering and architecture and biology and botany and anatomy and math and physics. And, and he did all that writing left-handed and in a mirror fashion in his notebook, so it was kind of coded, and people couldn't just look at it and, and uh, steal what he came up with. So he sculpted, he painted both portraits and murals like the Last Supper. 
He made plans for ingenious machines that wouldn't be built for centuries, like helicopters and submarines. But it was well known that he was a procrastinator. He never finished a project on time. Jacob Bronowski, the scientific historian, says his talents and his energies were often wasted in doodles and unfinished projects. The Mona Lisa took 20 years for him to complete. The Adoration of the Magi, even though he was commissioned to do that early on, it was never finished, and his equestrian projects never built. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says, We then, and he's speaking of you, us then, as workers together with Christ. We beseech you, we bid you, we even compel you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. I got you here today to this church. I got you to this spot at this time. I made sure you didn't get killed before this moment So behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And God is not asking you to RSVP as soon as possible. He is telling you, respond right now. His grace has made room right now. It is the miracle of his grace that you heard this message today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, even if I don't know you personally, I know that some of you have been offering excuses to God for a really long time. And God doesn't want excuses. He will not accept your excuses because God wants you to make a decision. He wants your choice. He wants your will to be submitted to his will. So there's really only one will between the two of you, and that's his. You've been ruined and need to be redeemed. You can be saved today. You are sinking and in need of a Savior. He's right here. And you saw everything He did for you at this Lord's table. Jesus will save you now. And all you have to do is trust Jesus for the one thing that He promises you. Believe on Him for everlasting life. And do not think that you have to change before you can come to Jesus. No, Jesus changes everything. All you have to do is pray, turn your life over to him and let him start doing it. Just pray right now and say, God, save me for Jesus' sake. I trust Jesus today for everlasting life. Hear Jesus, I give you my life. Go ahead and stand. We're going to have uh, the praise team to send us out singing today because in Mark chapter 14, verse 26, speaking of that um, first, last, first Lord's Supper that they had together, it says, and when they had sung a hymn, well, then they went out. And so we try and do that every Sunday, but we especially want to do that on Lord's Supper Sunday. So if you're lost, come up here and let us pray with you. Even while that song is going on, or certainly as soon as it gets done, come up and meet with 
some of our altar counselors, our workers here at the front. If you just want somebody to pray with you, if you have any questions or concerns about being born again, you know what? I know for a lot of Christians, this is the way it is. And especially as you get older, because nobody lives on the farm today. I mean, nobody lives on, the farmers don't live on a farm today. You say, Alan, well, I know one. I know somebody living on a farm. No, they're not living on the farm because even on the farm, they got an iPhone. Even on the farm, they got a laptop. Even on the farm, they got, you know, satellite, internet, and television set. And so as they scroll through Facebook and they see some flame from the past or they see some person from the past, it triggers something. There is so much regret. And I know that even as a believer, you can think, man, you know, Alan, I I feel like I grieve the Spirit. Maybe I even quenched him. And you know, grieving is a word that has to do with relationship because the Holy Spirit is a person. And you need the power of an ungrieved in Holy Ghost in your life. That is what the Lord's Supper offers. That is what the Lord's Supper provides. Because as we do this together, you're saying, God, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. Jesus cleaned it. I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm not going to let Satan put something back on my plate that you have taken off. So you need the assistance of an ungrieved Holy Ghost. But you know what? You also need to not quench the Holy Spirit. Those of you who have done any flying, and maybe especially if you've uh, sat on the wing or you sat at the back where the engines are, when they start uh, the engine of the airplane, and maybe you've been at the gate and they're pushing back, and you can hear the click of the starter, and the ignition, the igniter goes off, and it goes off until the engine gets running, then an engine is self-sustaining. But you know what? If it's raining on takeoff or landing, or if they go through a hard thunderstorm, that blows the, the engine out. They call it a flame out. So it blows the flame out. So to keep that from happening, the pilot has a knob he can turn. They'll just keep the igniter going, keeps the ignition going all through the rain. And you know, that is what God offers you today. If you think that you've quenched the Holy Ghost, a word that has to do with blowing out a flame, guess what? Pilot light is still on. All you got to do is pray. So we offer you this time at the front today to come up and pray as the praise team sends us out singing.